So, <clears throat> this is a little primer that I want to give you to an unfolding work called God Magnified. Um, come and let us magnify the Lord together. How many of you know that worship is really worthship? It's, it's carefully enlarging and examining and appraising God's worth. That's what worship is. So when we magnify God, what we end up seeing in the scriptures through the Holy Spirit is the fusion of the Trinity. This is an ancient symbol that helps us understand the Trinity. And what I want you to see that there is that those are blueprints of the kingdom of God. Um, blueprints of the kingdom of God because Peter talks about that entrance into the eternal kingdom would be abundantly supplied to you. But what is the eternal kingdom? The eternal kingdom, before there were any heavens or any earth or anything existed of any created nature, the Father, Son, and Spirit, these three eternals, themselves were the eternal kingdom. Okay, and they were mutually indwelling one another and continue to do so even to this day. Okay, and so this is blueprints, and I'm going to open that for you. Now, I know you wouldn't be here if you weren't practicing how to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your affections, right? But I'm going to ask you to love the Lord your God with all your mind. And I'm going to stretch you a little bit, okay? From the scriptures, it's all clean, but I'm going to stretch you and expand you a little bit with this primer, okay? So buckle your seatbelt, okay? Now, wait a minute, let me get this thing turned on. Dad and I both have a problem with this. All right, look at who is that guy right there? <laughs> ah, he didn't know that was going to be up there. All right, so for over five decades, Dad has been an ambassador of the kingdom of God. And how many of you know it's not easy to tell a bunch of earthbound, natural-minded believers about a spiritual kingdom? To try to explain that is tough. That's not an easy job. So he would often say, and I'm sure many in this room would even remember this, he would often say, I don't have what I'm telling you at home built in my garage. Does anybody remember him saying that? Okay. Many times because he felt instinctually the need for a micro model to, to help us understand what the kingdom is. And, and so... He taught this and taught this saying it, saying that. So in, what, maybe like 2000, we started working together. I pastored for many years. I was a missionary and did all kind of different stuff. Started working together. This is my wife, Suzanne. She's from New Zealand originally. And our two biological daughters, Jessica's in, the oldest on the left, is in New York City at Alvin Ailey Dance School, which is kind of like a Juilliard. Okay, and she's awesome. And the middle one, the youngest, is Stephanie. She's in pre-med in Johnson City, Tennessee. 
And uh, so when the youngest was born, let me see if I can get this thing to point. Look at that, Dad. <laughs> All right. That youngest one, when Suzanne gave birth to her, uh, I went, we went in for the one-week checkup. Suzanne was still sore. So I went out to get the car to pull up to, to get Suzanne. And when I stepped off the curb, the Lord said to me, Will you father my children? And I knew it meant that we weren't going to have any more children of our own biologically, but that God was inviting me into a life lab of the kingdom of God. Okay? And so we started in Ukraine, actually. I have 10, I have the two daughters you saw. I have 10 Ukrainian children, and I have 14 Ugandan children. I have 26 children, okay, over, what is that, over uh, 14 years, okay? Wow, all right, so this was in Ukraine there, and then the Lord relocated our family to Uganda in East Africa, where we have been the last nine years. And I have children from age 4 to 29, okay? And this is our family. Actually, Dad was visiting us there at that time, okay? So, so, uh, so this international, interracial, interlingual, intertribal family with one father, which isn't me, by the way, I'm the dad, uh, became a laboratory, what I call a life lab, of the familial nature of the kingdom of God. And it became at home, built in the garage, what Dad had been talking about all of those years. Okay? So what I'm going to share with you has come out of this assignment from the Lord to my wife and I that we have been stewarding these many years. Okay? You following that? You okay? All right. So this is our house in Uganda. It sleeps 60 people. I'm going to tell you about that a little bit. In, 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 in a little bit, I'll tell you a little bit more about that. We host medical teams. Doctors and nurses come from all over the place, and we work in slums and refugee camps and that kind of thing. That's my eldest uh, Ugandan daughter, Lily, who's just darling. We homeschool all our kids at home, and she helps us to do that, okay? And she's just awesome, okay? So that's a doctor from Salem, Ohio, just happened to be on this trip with us. And uh, they see six, 7,000 people in about eight, eight days. Yeah, so it's, it's a labor and awesome, and they go out of it very, very thrilled, okay? So, in the middle of all this going on these years, I received this Martin Luther thing, Father, Son, and Spirit are three individual ingredients mixed and baked by agape, which is sacrificial self-giving love, into one cake. And I saw those three ingredients were in the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. Why? Because all the fullness of deity was pleased to dwell in him, Colossians says. We're going to work on that. I saw it, and I ate that thing. I ate that thing. 
spiritually ingested and assimilated something of the three ingredients of the sacrificial self-giving of the persons of the Trinity in Christ to us so that we would be made full with their fullness. Okay? I, and I ate that thing. And it really powerfully affected me. But, but God wasn't content with just the three ingredients illustration. He wanted to show me something more. And what I'm going to share with you comes out of a zeal of the Lord to reveal himself to us in triunity. There's a zeal. God wants us to be full with the fullness. Really bad. Okay? So, I wrote a thing called Eating Jesus about six years ago. And just as I was finishing that, the Spirit of the Lord came to me. I was in Ukraine, actually, not living there, but visiting some of my older children there. And the Lord spoke to me, just right from the Holy Spirit, study the science of fusion. And I had to look over my shoulder and wonder who God was talking to, because in college I got a D in science. <laughs> and I am not a scientific or mathematically minded person. Okay? And I saw this symbol, I, with these words, I saw this symbol, and I didn't know what it was, and there was a cross standing in the center of it. Okay? I'm just telling you the story of how this happened, all right, if that's okay. And uh, so maybe two weeks later, after I began studying atomic nuclear fusion and the nature and properties of light, okay, I'm going to share a little bit of that with you. Don't worry, it's not going to be a huge science lesson. I don't want to freak you out. The Lord woke me in my bed in Uganda in the middle of the night. I sat straight up like a board. And the Lord said to me, the secret of the mystery, both natural and spiritual. All right? Can you keep that in mind? Because we're going to... And when, when the Lord said that, it triggered in me many, many verses about the mystery and the secret of the mystery through the scriptures. Now, we're all here trying to figure out what this unshakable kingdom is and how to participate in it, all right, right? Isn't that what, this is what we're doing here. And I want to just, maybe I can add something to that a little bit through what the Lord is opening to me, all right? And I'm just a student. I'm a scribe and a student. I'm a nobody, you know, that happened to obey and have 26 kids and I learned something. Okay, so uh, as a believer, you are not being invited into a relationship with one solitary being. You are being invited into the love of three for one another. And there is a huge difference. There is a very big difference between those two things. Now, all of us sing the doxology, all right, right? And, and uh, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We all sing it. But, but the way we live our lives is very one-dimensional in our theology. We do, not, we do not 
functionally participate or live our faith out according to triunity. Okay? Most of us. All right? So we're being invited into the love of three for one another. We're being made full with a fullness. All right? So this uh, thing is by a Russian guy, Rublev, and I know it looks like angels, but it's called the Holy Trinity, and, and look what is, what's standing between them. That's the cup. Let this cup pass from me. All right, right? How many times did he say it? Three times, let this cup pass from me. I'm going to show you what's in that cup. Dad told us what was in that cup the other night, last night. What is it? Corruption is in that cup. And I'm going to show you what it looks like. And the three of them in Christ drank that thing down. Not just one. Okay, I'm going to show you. God was in Christ reconciling the world. All right, I'm going to show you. Now, what I'm going to try to help you to do is to take a step from one-dimensional understanding and approach to the scriptures into a multi-dimensional understanding of God in triunity and God in Christ, okay? So, the secret of the mystery, natural and spiritual. Paul says, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and then the spiritual. Now, these are all New American Standard. You can look these up, all right? The spiritual is not first. Now, to God, the spiritual is first, right? But when God goes to teach a bunch of earthbound, natural-minded knuckleheads about the kingdom, what has to be first? The natural must be first. So, so Moses' tabernacle and Solomon's temple and all these rehearsal studios filled with, 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 with props right, all in the natural, all trying to point towards the kingdom being in Christ's own spiritual body, right? It's all, the, the natural is always leading us to the spiritual, all right? It, it has to be illustrated to us first. Does that make sense? You get that? All right, now, so this is our house, and when the Lord said to me we were to go to Uganda, uh, the Lord gave me the blueprints to this house, all right, and, and I knew it was, I always wondered how Noah saw the ark or whatever, and now I get it because it just kind of was downloaded into me, and, but I knew there was something missing. So uh, blessed are those who hunger, right? So I hungered and waited to figure out what was missing from these plans. I mean, literal blueprints of a natural dwelling. And the Lord said to me at length, do you see the covered porch that runs around the circumference of my whole house? So I drew this porch. Can you see it? It goes around the whole house. We're on this hilltop. Lake Victoria is in the back, all right? And and, and uh, so, uh, and I drew this porch on there, and then the Lord gave us this property, and, and, and there is the porch with 360-degree views from on the top of there. All right, and we were YWAMers, Suzanne and me, 
So we were expecting the Lord to give us some god-awful piece of swamp land somewhere, you know, because we had no money. <laughs> and the Lord said to Suzanne, I want to, to establish an em embassy on a hilltop. And now she knows all of these ambassadors' wives. She's the president of the International Women's Organization that has 57 nationalities, 250 women, all the ambassadors' wives from all over the world, many of whom have been at our house on this hill, okay? So anyway, so this is first in the natural, we're saying, right? Okay, now, now, then in the spiritual. So I, okay, let me just go back. So I, I, got this un un revelation of the fusion of the Trinity, and I raced back to tell Dad about it. And my dad said, my God, it's the whole house, it's the whole house, meaning the whole kingdom. He was seeing this comprehensive thing, all right? But I knew something was missing, okay? Now, this is eight, no, it would be six years after I built that house, in Uganda. And so I waited for what was missing, what was missing. And at length, the Lord said to me, do you see the covered porch that runs around the circumference of my whole spiritual house? And I knew the Lord meant that the God is statements of the scriptures were like porch pillars running around this whole spiritual dwelling place. All right, you following with me? I know this is a little complicated, but it's important to understand. All right, the God is statements are like these porch pillars. Now look, there's our porch, and we have eucalyptus pillars running around this whole porch, okay? And, and so, so I saw these God is statements. God is an us. Let us make man in our own image, Genesis 1.26. God is one, God is agape, God is a son, okay? And, and as these pillars unfolded, I began to see the Lord saying to me, each one of these pillars is a, is a lens with which to see and understand the next one. Now, um, if Tom sent you a postcard of a castle in Scotland, right? You would receive that postcard, and what would it be on the paper? It would be one-dimensional. Now, you would believe that it's there, because it would say what it is, and you know it's there, but you can't walk around it, and you can't go in it. You get that? So, for many of us, the kingdom of God has been very one-dimensional. We've gotten a picture of it, and we and we see it, and we believe that it is there. No question, no doubt in our mind it's there, but we don't know how to walk around that thing or get in it. You get it? And so there's something about the porch pillars in this journey that I've made. Now out on that table, there's five God-magnified plumb lines, all right? And there are going to probably be eight. So I'm only a fifth, what, a little more than half the way there. Of, and it's taken me five years to sort this out. I've been working on this, okay? And, 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 and so these God is statements become porch pillars and a lens with which to understand how to magnify God, all right, from the scriptures. Now, 
my daughter Jess had a dream as I was doing this, and she saw a little tiny girl at the front porch of our house, and this little girl started running down this end of the porch, and by the time she turned this corner, uh, she was kind of like a preteen girl. She was maturing and growing as she was running around this house. Then she got to that back corner and she was a teenager. And then she ran around the whole three-dimensional backside of this house and got up here and was a college-aged girl. And she got around this corner and she was a young woman and when she got back to the front door, she was a prepared bride because something of the fullness of, of God had been assimilated into her by absorbing and, and understanding and, and taking in these God is statements of the Bible. Okay, you with me? Yes. All right, so, so these are, the, now we're going to work on some of these in just a minute. Now, my wife Suzanne planted this orchid on one of the pillars. All right, and it bloomed in perfect triunity, and it has done so four consecutive times on this pole. Now, most of what I'm going to give you is from the scriptures by the Holy Spirit, okay? But the Lord has communicated this thing to us in the most profound ways. So all my kids, I happened to be out of the country, and the day before I was to return home, this thing bloomed in triunity, and all my kid, Ugandan kids said, Mom, Mom, it's the Trinity welcoming Dad home. <laughs> all right? And I was teasing them about, about uh, uh, surely goodness and mercy will follow you. And they were looking around wondering, who is Shirley? <laughs> who is Shirley and her sister Mercy? And they're, they're supposed to be following me. Anyway, we had a big laugh about it. All right, so that's the, now look here, we're going to just, just lay a little foundation here. Then God, and what is that God, what does God in include? God said, let us make man in our relational, interpersonal image, according to our sacrificial self-giving, or what I'm going to call fusible likeness. A likeness that fuses to other individuals. Okay, I'll show you what that means. Okay? All right, so when we magnify God, we see the three. But further magnification reveals these three are, in fact, what? One. Now, one of the odd things about theology to me is that. Most all, 99% of theology starts with God in a very one dimensional kind of an understanding. And maybe chapter 12 or volume 12 of this theological <laughs> encyclopedia will deal with the Trinity. Way down the road. You get it? And and I'm just, I want to just suggest to you, and I'm not here to prove anything to you, I'm just here as a, to, to bear witness and to testify. But I just want to testify that I believe it is so much better to understand God as three 
irreducible primaries, eternals, and then understand how and why they are one. And if you start the entire understanding of God and theology from that way, the whole Bible, 66 books, begin to make more sense to you. You would not believe it. Okay? Does that, are you understanding what I mean? Okay, good. Now, this is the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is our God, the Lord is one. The Shema is an acknowledgement and celebration of the oneness of three uncreated individuals. Okay, how many of you know the Father, Son, and Spirit are clearly delineated in the Old Testament? Very clearly. I'm going to show you some of it. Some of it. Now, we do not, we are not, as believers, we are not monotheists, right? Neither are we polytheists, okay? Monotheists is believing in one solitary deity like Islam. Polytheism is a belief in many disjointed deities like Hinduism, okay? And what does the Bible teach? The Bible teaches tri-unity, okay? Tri-unity, and I want to show that to you. And the best way to understand it is, is, is the fusion of the Trinity, all right? Now, now, here's some of the statements, and I just bear with me in this, all right? Let, just let your mind be stretched a little bit, but I want to... Just get you rolling in this rationale, okay? We only have a short time together. God is an us, three uncreated eternals, Father, Son, and Spirit. And God is one, triunity, because, why? Because God is agape. 1 John 4, 8, and 16, three sacrificial self-givers. You know that's what agape is? Agape is a love that is a sacrificial self-giving love that loses, that lays its life down for its friends. You get it? That's what it is. It loses its life. He who seeks to save his life will, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Okay, so God is an us and God is one because God is agape. And look here, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the all three mighty. So God is three selfless individuals. How many of you know that's what holiness is? Holiness means selfless. What is unholiness? Selfishness. You get it? All right. Now, there's a whole study about that. We can't get into all that, but there it is. So, God is in us and God is one because God is agape and God is Holy Father, Holy Son, Holy Spirit, three, the all three mighty. Therefore, God is a son, Psalm 84 Okay, three individual persons in perpetual fusion. Okay, fusion. I'm going to explain to you fusion in just a minute. 
a consuming fire. All right? For we have received uh, an unshakable kingdom, and our God is what? A consuming fire. That's the whole verse of this conference. Okay? Well, maybe we'll look at that when we get there. All right? So God is a son. Now, God is not the son. God is not the son. This is not pantheism that we're talking about here. We're talking about what? The secret of the mystery, both what? Natural and spiritual. So these three spiritual eternals in fusion, holy, 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 all right? What do the four living creatures say? Night and day, they never cease to say it. Holy, 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 holy. Why? Because they're just saying and what they're seeing, and that's what's going on. You get it? And so there is a pulsing, sun-like power, this omnipotent fusion power. I'm going to show you that in just a minute. This is magnifying God. All right? Now, God is a sun, and God is light. All right? God is light. We have one about that that will show this better. But God is a spectrum of three primaries running together in what? one beam. When Jesus said, I am the light of the world, was that a one-dimensional self-referential statement? Or why was he saying that? Why would, why would Jesus say, I am the light of the world? Because the Father and the Spirit were what? They were, they were in him, dwelling in him. Jesus said, I and the Father are and the Spirit came down upon and remained on him. And so light is a spectrum of individual colors running together in one, and that is what light is. We'll look at that a little bit later. And therefore, God is a dwelling place, three who mutually indwell one another. They live in the agape of one another. Okay? Just stretching you? You guys all right? All right. But just, just, just receive this like a little child. How do we enter the kingdom? Like a little child. So just let it wash over you like a little child, and the Holy Spirit will sort it all out through, for you in the scriptures. Okay? He will. He will. Just let it wash over you. So Deuteronomy, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed, which is the unshakable kingdom, belong to us and to our sons forever. This is the secret things. This has been eclipsed to us. What? Us corrupt human beings who are selfish, this reality has been eclipsed to us until what? God in Christ came. God in Christ came, all right? I'm going to show that to you, too. I'll show it to you, all right? And that belongs to us and to our sons forever. This is the unshakable kingdom, all right? The secret of the mystery, natural and spiritual, the heavens are telling of the glory or the fusion oneness of God and their expanse declaring the work of his hands. 
All right, Albert Einstein discovered the secret power source of the natural universe in what? The fusibility of hydrogen atoms. Okay, now, all right, this is what he saw. And what did the Lord say to me? The secret of the mystery, both natural and spiritual. This is how I got here. Okay, and I'm going to show it to you all through the scriptures. The sun of our solar system is a star, the nearest star. All stars, including our sun, are powered by atomic nuclear fusion. Individual atoms of hydrogen, each with their own autonomous nucleus, combine together or fuse to form a solitary atom with, of helium with one nucleus. Okay? So there's individual atoms, each with their own nucleus, their own autonomous nucleus. And all of these individual atoms come together and fuse, and they all lose their autonomous nuclei. And they become one solitary atom with one nucleus. And when that happens, what happens? Kaboom. All right, let me show it to you. Atoms are small. An orange is proportionate in size to planet Earth as an atom is to the orange. Can you imagine how tiny that must be? All right, yet our triune creator hid the secret of the power of the natural universe in the fusibility of atoms. Okay, now what do I mean by that? The few, the, uh, without new atomic nuclear fusion, things would be kind of bad in the natural universe. Let me explain why. All right, this is a photograph of nuclear fusion from the Princeton Laboratory, all right? And this man calls this picture the vortex waltz, or a dance. And he says that these two atoms are circling one another in a turbulent ballet. And if left alone long enough with one another, they will complete their dance as a solitary atom with one nucleus. All right? You guys all right? You with me? I know this is tough in the afternoon. But if you stick with me, this could be an enormous blessing to you. I've known the Lord a long time. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues on my fifth birthday, 40 years ago. I've known the Lord a long time, but I have never known the Lord like this. And I'm very excited to be like a little child again. After lots of hurt and water under the bridge and disillusionment, I have a new lease on the kingdom of God because new blueprints, not new, they're the ancient blueprints that we couldn't see, are being unfurled, unrolled before me in a way that I want to participate and lose my life in there. That's what this is about. And it's unshakable. Okay? Look, there's the size of Earth compared to the sun. Can you imagine? 
All right, now, what makes these enormous tons? How many of those size of Earth could you fit in that one explosion? Maybe 25? And do you know where those explosions come from? From atoms fusing. Atoms that are proportionately the same size to an orange that the orange is to the whole size of Earth. And this is the secret of the mystery of the natural universe. Okay? All right, now, from this fiery orb of the sun, radiant energy is released in particles of light called photons. The life-giving energy which provides heat, photosynthesis, growth, and life. Okay, so... Without atomic nuclear fusion in the natural universe, there would be no heat or light or photosynthesis or growth or food or light or nothing. It would be a dark void. And how did creation start? It was formless and void. Atomic nuclear fusion uniquely reflects the dynamic spiritual nature of our triune creator, God as a son, because without this one physical reaction, there would be no heat or light in the, earth, in the, in the universe, no life on earth. The secret of the mystery, both natural and spiritual, the fusion of the three eternal primaries, Father, Son, and Spirit, is the secret of the mystery of the oneness of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the All Three Mighty. Day and night, they never stopped saying it. Okay. And when Jesus came on the, on, the, on the horizon, God in Christ, what did all the demons start saying? We know who you are. You are the Holy One of God, the nucleus of the fusion of the Trinity. The nucleus of holy, holy, holy in a human bodily form. Now, this helps tie it together. Romans 1. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible or spiritual attributes, which are what? His eternal power, which is holy, holy, holy in fusion, and God's divine nature, which is what? God is agape. God doesn't just do that love. God what? Yes. Is that love. Sacrificial, this is what we call a fusible DNA. It is a DNA, all right, that, that is a, a rationale, a way of thinking rooted in a nature and manifested in my behavior that wants to lose my life and lay my life down for you. It's a nature that is, it's instinctual that wants to do it. That's the DNA that we're talking about here. So these things have been clearly seen. This power and nature have been clearly seen how? 
being understood through what has been made. So this is the secret of the mystery, both natural and spiritual. Fusion in the natural creation. Okay, this is atoms fusing, and out comes what? Energy. Now, God, Father, Son, and Spirit is agape. Now look at this with me, just to help get us on the same page. Don't let me lose you. Just stick in there with me, all right? Just stick in there. I know there are a lot of people want to check out because it's science and it's just this and that and the other. Just don't. If you knew how hard I worked to distill this down for you and make it fit in this hour, okay? And just don't lose, don't leave me. Okay? And this is purely from the scriptures. There's no games here. No games here. Agape is what the triune God is. Fusion is what sacrificial self-giving love does. It makes these individuals to be one. Light and life is what fusion what? What it yields. So if this guy has fusible DNA, and this guy, and this guy, all have a nature that wants to lose its life and give itself comprehensively into the other two, then what happens with that kind, what is going on there? Kaboom. Kaboom, kaboom, and what comes out of that? Light and life. Now, do those words sound familiar from the Bible that you've been reading all these years? Light and life. And where does it come from? The fusion of the Trinity. And we're going to, I'm going to show you in the nucleus of Jesus Christ. Okay, we're going to get there, but I don't want to blow our minds too quick. All right. Now, all right, so Einstein said, I maintain that the cosmic religious feeling is the strongest and noblest motivation for scientific research. So this Jewish guy, right, is aching to understand what's going on in the secret of the mystery, both natural and spiritual. And God answered this man and gave him a counterintuitive revelation of the mystery of the, of the natural universe, how it works. All right? You guys all right? Okay? All right, I don't want to lose you. Now, Here's another one that's going to help us get this in the scriptures. Hebrews, by faith we understand that the worlds, these planets and stars, were framed how? By the word of God, by three spiritual beings in fusion. So that what is seen in the natural was not made out of things which are visible. 
So the invisible spiritual pattern and design of God, which is the fusion of the Trinity, is spoken and written into their natural creation. It's like the, the fingerprints of this triune God are left in their natural creation, like an artist would mark a canvas. Okay? Now, here's some symbols we need to understand. All right, this is fusion. How many primary colors are there in our creation? Ah, and what comes forth from those three primaries? The entire color wheel. The entire color wheel of the natural creation comes from how many? Three primaries. Okay, that's called the Borromean rings. This is fusion. When those colors fuse, the color spectrum is revealed. Okay, fission. Does anybody, does that look familiar to anybody? That's atomic nuclear fission, which is the splitting of atoms. Splitting atoms. So these nuclear reactor power plants and these nuclear submarines all function by what? Not atomic fusion, but by fission, by the splitting of atoms. They are not joining atoms together in fusion. They are taking atoms and splitting them. And what do you think it was easier for man to figure out? Fission or fusion? Oh. Oh. <laughs> it's so painful. It's just terrible. And this is what we call the biohazard. All right? It's like zombies. Okay? Okay? But you were dead in your trespasses and sins and corruption. Now, you didn't have a heart attack and flatline. You were the living dead. You get it? You were still breathing and walking around, but you were eating people alive. Okay, what did Paul say? If you bite and devour one another, take care, what? lest you can be consumed by one another. That's biohazard. Does anybody see any relationship between this symbol and that symbol? Do you see the splintering? Okay, now, nuclear fusion is a reaction. Individual atoms join to form one nucleus. Fission is a reaction in which one nucleus is split. Okay, I just want to make sure we don't lose anybody in this, okay? Now, agape, let's apply this. This is the foundation that my dad laid upon which this whole thing would not exist if he did not receive this from the Lord. Agape and eros. Agape is sacrificial self-giving love, the cause of fusion. Do you guys understand why if all three of those are sacrificial self-givers, why they would be one? Why would that, it would be so easy for that kind of 
three-person God to be one? Yeah. Do you get that? All right. Eros is self-love, or what we call individualism. All right? The cause of fission or splitting. Now, what do I mean by individualism? To be an individual is a God-given gift. You were created as an individual with your own spirit and soul and body and the freedom to do with it what you want. All right? So being in... How many of you can see if there weren't individuals, fusion wouldn't be possible? Do you get that? It just wouldn't be possible. If there would be no individuals to fuse. Okay? But individual, in, individualism isn't a fusible individual who wants to lose his life. Individualism is, is, is saving my life and cherishing and valuing my own autonomous life. And I will not lose it for anybody. Okay? Out for number one. Okay? That's the cause of fission. Agape is incorruptible, fusible DNA. Agape, this is Corinthians, we all know this. Agape what? Does not seek its own, ever. Ever, ever, ever does it ever seek its own individually. What is it always seeking? How to enrich and lose myself and bless and add to the others. That's what it is. Eros is corruptible, fissionable DNA. Look at this. This is Proverbs. He who separates himself, what? Seeks his own desire. Okay, Dad asked us all, how many of you have been through a really good church split? <laughs> what, last night? <laughs> And I bet if you reflected carefully, you might see some of these things in this bracket down here. Individualism is self-indulgence of the body, self-will. How many of you know the will is, is located in the human soul? To be soulish means to be willful. And self-worthship is a corrupted human spirit. Okay, self-worthship, that is individualism. Okay, and I'm going to separate myself from you, the opposite of fusion, in order to seek my own desire. And as I go out, I'm going to take all I can and can all I get as I go out of here. Okay, now, the structure of an atom, the center is called the nucleus containing protons and neutro neutrons. We're not going to get deep into this, but the elements of the nucleus are held together by a bond called what? The strong nuclear force. All right, now what can we liken the strong nuclear force to? It's agape. Now I'm going to show you Christ Jesus in whom and by whom all things hold together. All things. 
Okay, now atom is a Greek word meaning indivisible. And what do we, what have we done to something that should be indivisible? We've split it. We split what shouldn't be split. Okay, now here's another diagram that'll help you. This is, all of these individual atoms are what? Coming together, coming together, and it's always working into what? Into oneness and yielding energy. Okay, this is fission. It starts here as a solitary thing with, with the nucleus, and what happens? There's a splintering, which begets another splintering, which begets another and another. Where do you think this started spiritually? Lucifer, wasn't it? It was Lucifer. And how many of the, of the angelic gang went out of there with him? And then they all came down here and sold it to us. And how many denominations are there? Just in the state of North Carolina. Because what? What are we good at? We know how to split and splinter and split. Cursing each other on our way out and taking everything we can on our way out of there. Now, do you understand why it is difficult, you, why it might be difficult for us to know and understand and participate in a God of fusion? Because we were born nuclear biohazard. No, I mean it. If we're biting and devouring and consuming one another, how does holy, holy, holy really look at us? What did it say? Jesus was not entrusting himself to any man because what did he know? He knew what was in man. Oh, he loved us because agape is unconditional. You get it? But he couldn't trust you. Okay? In this one word, eros, sums up Oswald Chambers' definition of sin, which is what? My claim to my right to myself. Okay, and it's illustrated by this because what? I'm consuming myself. I'm eating myself alive. Eros is individualism or self-worthship. Now, this is just a slide I put in here. I wanted to just show this to you. Stages of relational fission or corruption. I've been working on this. Okay. And these could be in different order, but just follow with me. So it starts out that there's a little distance in our relationship. Wasn't not quite as tight as we used to be. And then I don't, you're just not as important to me as you once were. And then I'm not really associating with you anymore, like we were. And then I desert you and run off. And then, pretty, pretty close on the heels of that, what? I never knew, I do not know that man. Does that sound familiar? 
Who said that? I swear, I do not know that man. Oh. And then, after I deny, it's kind of easy to start demeaning you. And then I disown you. And then I disinherit you. I'm going to cut you out of everything that we ever shared or promised or held in trust with one another. And then I'm going to defect to the enemy. Defection. And then I'm going to begin to dehumanize you like they did in Rwanda, right? The one tribe called the other tribe cockroaches. Because after, after getting everybody to buy into that, then what, what, what is it easier to do? To destroy. To mow a million people down with pangas. Because they were just kind of getting rid of insects. Does anybody see a certain pattern there? And they're all D words. Isn't that interesting? And you know, the Lord gave me maybe three together. And then every day, a new one came for some many days. And it's still not over. There's more. But this is a very good start. Okay? Now, remember in Acts, when, after Peter denied Jesus, when he's filled with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, he confronts the religious Jews and says, this, this Christ whom you disowned in the presence of Pilate. He actually says it twice. You disowned him. He came to his own, and what? Those were who were, who were his own. We are not fusing into that nucleus because I have my own, thank you. Okay, now let's look at six pairs of genes. This is just going to help you to get on the rails of what we're talking about. The us, gene us. Let us make man in what? Our image and likeness. So we were gened. And then what happened in the fall? Something of the gene of God was lost, and we became degenerate or corrupt. And what did Jesus, this is God in Christ, what did Jesus come to do? Well, actually the Spirit literally does it. But Jesus came to work out the gene in a human body. To, to, to prepare a seed that would be communicable to other human beings. That's right. So, and the evidence that we are being regenerated, that we are genuine, is what? That we act in the generous, sacrificial, self-giving nature of our triune creator. You with me? And down here at the bottom, you could actually have started with this one, is ingenuity. The... the the source of this plan, this amazing plan, is the ingenuity of our triune creator. Do you see it? That's all the arts and sciences and innovations and, oh my word, you can't imagine where this goes. 
God is light. God is a spectrum of three primaries in one being, and in him is what? There is no individualism at all. At all. There is no self-worthship in any of the three at all. There's only selflessness. Light is diverse colors in fusion oneness, the multidimensional dynamic of us. Now, when you see a single beam of white light and you put that through a prism, what is revealed? That there are many color strands, in very distinguishable, running together in one beam. Darkness is one-dimensional. What is darkness? Me. Darkness is me. The prince of darkness. The kingdom of darkness. And the kingdom of light. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as what? Children of light. No longer in individualism. Walk in the fusible DNA of agape. God is spirit and God is light. Out from this spiritual light, which the Trinity is, God spoke light into existence in the natural creation. Do you guys follow that? The natural dynamic of atomic nuclear fusion in the sun and the other stars is more than mere metaphor or analogy. Okay? It's not just an example. This is more than metaphor, all right, of the spiritual fusion of the triune God in Christ. Why? Here's why. 1 Corinthians 4, 6. For God, this is God, who said, light shall shine out of darkness, which was what? Genesis 1, 3. What did they say? Let there be. Okay. God who said that is the one this three-in-one who has shone in our hearts. But what kind of hearts? Dark, degenerate, individualist hearts. To give. And how does God give? The all God has to give is himself, which is his own gene, his own DNA. You get that? That's all they have to give is themselves, which is everything. But you do get it. The giving is generosity. Generosity. To make you a partaker of the divine nature, Peter says. All right? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. And where is it? In the face of Christ the God-man nucleus of the Trinity. 
So the fullness of deity, we'll look at that, you know, coming up. The fullness of deity was pleased to dwell in him. And what was radiating out of the face of Christ? They picked a human nucleus. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wishes to save his life, right, will lose it. So when I'm saving my life, I'm trying to preserve my own autonomous nucleus. All right, that's individualism. But whoever loses his nucleus for my sake is willingly fused into the God-man nucleus by, by agape, by self-giving, What's going to happen to that guy? He's going to find it in here. He's going to find, he's giving up a life, an autonomous, selfish life in individualism in a kingdom of darkness. And if he loses and forfeits that life, he's going to find a new life. And where is that new life going to be? in the fusion of the Trinity. Life in the oneness of God. And I tell you, this really works. God dwells in unapproachable light, Paul taught Timothy. Okay? Unapproachable light. And when we looked at that sun, does that look pretty unapproachable? And the Lord God is a sun and a shield. This is Psalm 84. A sun and a shield. A life source and protector. How many of you know that this consuming fire that God is, holy, 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 how many of you know that God has to protect us from what? From themselves. Do you get that? Because we have to be acclimated and acculturated and naturalized from individualists and children of darkness, what? From glory to glory into children of light and acculturated into that light, which is the kingdom of God. And meanwhile, they have a whole, what? A whole atmospheric shield protecting us from full exposure to themselves. Do you guys see that? Okay, so he, God gives grace and glory, patiently regenerating willing individuals into their own DNA. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk with integrity or integrated into God's own nucleus, Jesus Christ. Now look at this. O Lord of hosts, Lord of hosts is really a nucleus of multitudes of individuals, what? Infusion. Lord of hosts. How blessed is the individual who, what? Trusts in you. Who loses his autonomous life and nucleus infusion into you. You guys all right? God is a son. Now, that is not pantheism. Please do not mistake this. Pantheism is that, that God and creation, like Mother Nature, 
are the same thing. Oh, no. That isn't what this is saying at all. It's the secret of the mystery, what? Both natural and spiritual. It's the fingerprint of the triune God left in the natural creation. And it's the blueprints of how we're supposed to be one. Okay, and I have to have time to open that to you. All right. As the incorruptible seed of this generous, self-giving nature of our triune creator, as that matures in us, we enter. How? From faith to faith, from life to life, and what? From glory to glory into, what are we entering into? The relational, interpersonal light and life of the eternal kingdom. It was always three. It was always three. It was always a relational, interpersonal kingdom from all eternity. And if you don't understand that, it's going to make it very hard to enter and participate in there. Because this is what it is. Are you seeing that? And can you get a little clue about why it's unshakable? Okay, we'll look at that more carefully. And this has been eclipsed and lost to mankind. Why? Because we're all corrupt with individualism. Our first instinct is to, th all right, I take a picture of our whole group here, all right, and on, on my digital camera, and I'm going to come and show it to each one of you. And who are you going to look for first in the picture? Huh? You. Oh, Dad says he'll look for me. That's so sweet. It's a lie. It's a lie, but it is sweet. Okay? Do you see it? Now listen to me. The Father, Son, and Spirit do not look for themselves first. That's the difference between our Creator and you and me. We are one-dimensional self-referential me-thinkers. And it is a rationale that is rooted in a nature and manifested in our behavior. And it is the living dead. It's the biohazard. And we're eating each other alive and we make the false father's work job easy for him. Okay, there is a false father, the father of the lie. And we do all his work for him as agents of fission. Okay, so the secret of the mystery is triunity. Remember Martin Luther, three ingredients mixed and baked by agape into one cake. Moltmann said, God is the lover, the beloved, and the love itself. We'll look at that more clearly later. Karl Barth, God is an unobliterated unity. Unobliterated now. We'll, we'll explain what that means. The revealer, 
the revelation and the being revealed. Now, what do I mean by that? The lover, the beloved, the love, the revealer, the revelation, the being revealed. How many of you can see that the Father, Son, and Spirit take turns playing all of those roles? The Father loves the Son, so the Son is the beloved. The Son loves the Father, so the Father is the beloved. Remember when Jesus said, you can say any awful thing you want about me, but if you blaspheme the Spirit, whom my Father and I jealously love, what? I will never forgive you. And what does that mean? The Spirit is the beloved. And what does the Spirit come? He doesn't speak on his own initiative. What does he all come only to do? To reveal the Father and the Son. And so we're talking holy, holy, holy here, you guys. That's what we're talking here. Do you see it? The unity of God is unobliterated because the personal identity of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit as individuals, how many of you know they are individuals, for real, is not lost or destroyed or obliterated in this dynamic oneness. It's not lost. They are always three and they are always one. How? Each of the three wholly and perpetually invests himself into the other two. The other two, in turn, what? Cherish and reveal that one's personal identity for him. God is perpetually three in one. So I, eros isn't necessary in God. I don't have to toot my own horn or promote myself because what? What's the full-time job of the other two guys? <laughs> and I don't even have to think about that because I have this nature that wants to, to sacrificially add to the Father and the spirit of my Father, right? All wisdom and power and glory and blessing and honor. I want to do everything I can to add that to you. Wow. This becomes exquisitely beautiful. Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, which would be what? Self-worship, self-promotion, my glory is what? Ah, corrupted by the lie of self-love, individualism. It is what? It is who? My Father who glorifies me. So I don't have to speak from my own initiative or talk about me. I would never do it. And he, later, in other places, he says, the Spirit will come and he will testify of me. So it is eros-free. 
Holy means eros free. That's what it means. The Son Jesus came to define and demonstrate this all true love, which God is. Greater love has no one than this, that one, this individual, what? Lay down his life for his friends. Can you guys see that that verse comes right out of the eternal trinity themselves? I mean, do you see how maybe in our early days we would have read that and thought, this is just something Jesus came up with to try to help all of us human beings. No. That goes way back into eternity. That very principle and way of life goes way back into the into the eternal triune God. They lay their lives down for one another. I wish I had time to show you how beautiful that is through the scriptures. It is lovely. Makes you really want to be a Christian. <laughs> no, I mean it. And that's something's coming from me. All right, understanding what this all true love is, learning how to receive and what? Reciprocate, what we call reciprocal generosity is essential to receiving, discovering, and participating in the unshakable kingdom. This relational interpersonal fusion dynamic is known as perichoresis. That's the early church word to describe this, which means mutual indwelling and interpenetration without loss of personal or individual identity. You get it? So I can, I can afford to entirely lose myself into you, and I do not lose my personal identity because why? because you cherish it and reveal it for me. And what is this whole world about? Tooting my own horn. <laughs> Self-promotion, marketing me through overt and subtle ways. Father, Son, and Spirit are the God of truth. God is true. Because each is a sharer of the same genuine, all true, always true love, what Moltmann calls an extreme self-forsaking love. I have come to believe and know that's what it is. When you begin examining how God was in Christ reconciling and embracing the cross, you're going to see the love that the three share is an extreme self-forsaking love. It's what it is. If God were not a trinity, God could not be agape. Because since agape requires another outside of oneself to be the object of its faithful affection and comprehensive self-giving. Do you see that? If God was a solitary being, if, we, if, if, we, if it was monotheism and God was love, then what would he have to be? 
He would have to be self-love. So God could not be agape if God was not a trinity. Because it, it has to have another person outside of itself to be the object of its affection. Otherwise, it would be self-love. Are you getting that? Hey, I know I'm stretching, you guys. But the Lord is the true God, the living God, three unique individuals alive to one another in true love. Okay? That's what makes it true. How many of you can see that eros is a counterfeit love? If I'm the object of my own affection, how can... Remember, remember uh, Polonius in... in um, um, Shakespeare's Hamlet. And what does he say? To thine own self be... Oh, what a lie was hatched there. Huh? Is it possible to be true to yourself? It isn't, is it? That's the lie that goes right back to... Do you know that Satan is the self-deceived deceiver? Because he bought into his own lie that I can, it's actually possible for me to be true to me. If you think about that, you'll discover it isn't possible. The whole thing is a deception. All right, now let's just finish this and, and we'll wrap up. Love, this is Moltmann. In his book, The Trinity and the Kingdom, love or agape cannot be consummated by a solitary subject, by an individual, cannot be fulfilled. If God is love, he is at once the lover, the beloved, and the love itself. You see the Trinity when you see love, for the lover, the beloved, and the love are three, and that's what makes it true. He explains, here we know, and what are we looking for? Ultimate reality. In this world of smoke and mirrors and counterfeits and forgeries, what would it be nice to know? Something that's reality. Here we know only insofar as we reciprocate agape. Here we know in order to participate. To know God, to know this three, means to participate in the fullness, the relational interpersonal oneness of the divine life. And here's where we participate in it. We participate in this where? In Christ. The three persons are deeply bound to one another and dependent on one another. By virtue of the love, the self-giving, the Father and the Son have for one another, they exist where? Totally in the other. What did Jesus say? If you've seen me, you have seen? The Father exists by virtue of his love as himself where? 
The son, by virtue of his self-surrender, exists as himself totally in the father. Each person finds his existence and his joy in the other person. This is the secret of the mystery of spiritual fusion. That's God's reality. Each person receives the fullness of the eternal life from the other. That's perichoresis. Mutual indwelling and interpenetration relationally without loss of personal identity. The Son is eternally with and in the Father. The Father is never without the Son. And nowhere what? Ever does this. Just as the Father is never without and never does this without the Spirit. That is helpful. <laughs> that is very helpful. Are you seeing some relational blueprints here? Okay, we'll work on that spirit next time. So you guys all right? Any, any, maybe I'll, is there any question or anything bursting? <laughs> Or maybe, maybe we save that up, save that up for, for next time, huh? Take another step. Well, I just burdened for, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you guys can probably already see this is coming out of my pores, you know, just coming out of my pores. I have been so saturated. Sure. What is it? <laughs> all this one more time. Now remember, we got it, man. Got it. you have to receive this and enter into this as a little child. And do you understand that corruption has affected our rationale? Right. Even the way we learn and look at everything has right. deeply corrupted. You get that? Mm -hmm. So along just exposure to the light of the knowledge of the glory, right? Just, just be exposed to it. A little bit. If it's in the Bible, then it's probably going to be all right. <laughs> all right? So just be exposed to that light like a little child and let it, let the heat of the light of the knowledge of the glory, do you know it's knowledge? It's meant to transform you, renew you by the transforming of your mind, right? Or the opposite. Transform you. And, and it, and it, and it, and there's a, catharsis and a regeneration that takes place by exposure to the light of God in Christ. There is, yeah, somewhere here. On the cross when he said, Father, Father, why art thou forsaken? Yeah. That was a big, big thing. It was, because the cross was All both a, a fusion, the cross was both a fission and a fusion event. It was both. My God, Father, my God, Spirit, why have you forsaken me, the Son? And the three, remember the picture of the Trinity that I showed you, the Holy Trinity, Rublev's Russian icon, and what stood between them? Because they drank that thing down. Actually, they detonated our fission bomb 
in the midst of their own nucleus. You got it? Jesus, Jesus is the nucleus of the Trinity. All the fullness of deity was pleased to dwell in him. So he's the nucleus of the Trinity, the human nucleus. So at the cross, maybe we'll get there tonight. Maybe we'll, we'll see if we can get there. I have a little bit on that. They drank down. How many of you know in the garden, Jesus was not concerned about himself individually? Do you realize that? It wasn't, what's going to happen to me? That's what all the disciples were saying. They were all sleeping from self-focused sorrow. But what was Jesus worried about? What was the most important thing to him? was the oneness. It was the oneness of the three that he knew had been perfected and come to fullness in his human body. So it wasn't just a, a father that lost a son. And the spirit who had remained on him, so there was fission in the midst of the fusion of the Trinity. Why? For us. Okay, but at that moment when the bomb went off between the three of them, curiously, the three had never been more one. Why? Because they were demonstrating the very essence of the extreme self-forsaking love that they are and have been for eternity. That's the mystery of the cross. Maybe we'll get there tonight a little bit, but I don't want to fry you guys. You got it. We got to make some more. Too late. I get it. I get it. Yes. Yeah. It's possible we can get these powerpoints to you. Yeah. We can. We'll work on that. We'll work on that. I don't know. We'll have to figure that out. We'll figure. Mark will work. Yeah. These guys will work it out. Yeah, right. Oh, and let me tell you that five of these plumb lines, all right, plumb line is just a word for a little book. The dad published from 100 years, it feels like. And we write, we now write, take turns writing these. And five of these, which are the God magnified, which are the God is statements of the Bible, unfolding like porch pillars of this three-dimensional kingdom, they're, they're back there, and we just sell them at cost, so you can pick that up and, and work through. And it starts with the us in oneness and agape, explains fusion and holy, holy. Then the second one is God is light, and God is a dwelling place. Because why? God dwells in unapproachable light, which is in the eros-free dwelling, mutual indwelling of one another. You got it? So you got to start thinking spiritual now to understand the kingdom because it is first in the natural, but that, but what? Then in the spiritual. And if you don't begin to graduate into spiritual thinking, when I was a child, I used to? Right. But as I mature, I got to start taking the, the, 
the rehearsal studio and the props that have been given to us in the natural and begin to allow them to, to carry me, to tutor me into spiritual thinking. All right? You guys have been a joy. Blessing to you.